Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope Presents, 90s Films Turn 30. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And we are in the middle of October. It's been another two weeks since uh, I've done an episode for this spinoff series. Uh, the previous one, Marked for Death, you can listen to now. Available in canon on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast these days. And it's Halloween season, horror season, a lot of that going on on television right now. I know the other day I was watching like The Shining and The Exorcist. They're showing all the Michael Myers movies and all that stuff. Well, today we are tackling Night of the Living Dead. And this is the remake uh, from, I believe, like the 1960s from George A. Romero. I know he's not the director on this one. It was, uh, I forgot who the guy's name is. I'll talk with Jake in a little bit. I'm bringing him on. And we're going to talk about that. And, yeah, just a couple more horror movies. Actually, one more coming up in another two weeks. Child's Play 2 with Bernadette Thompson. Uh, So that'll be coming soon as we're in this horror season of Halloween. And everybody likes to watch all those movies. So I figured this would be a good opportunity uh, to tackle one of those. So I I can't wait to to talk about it with Jake. Um, It was a first-time watch for me. So I'm not going to critique it in the way of, like, oh, has it aged well over 30 years I'll let Jake talk more about that. This is more his specialty. Um, I'm more just going to bounce off him. and I mean, I'll give my thoughts as well on what I thought about the movie. And I think I can judge it pretty fairly, even though you know I didn't grow up with this movie or anything like that. Uh, I can still make somewhat of an analysis as to whether or not this movie holds up 30 years later. But more, uh, more my thoughts on it being a first-time watch. So, without further ado... Oh, they're going to come after you. They're coming for you. This is Night of the Living Dead. Enjoy the show. They came to pay their respects. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Why do you have to be so cruel? What? Show some respect. Now, they're running for their lives. A biologist in Stockton, California, have released reports focusing on the phenomenon, specifically on that trance-like state. Every shelter is becoming a trap. Are you sure we're going to be all right? Cooper, you got to help me out! And every road out... Don't stop no matter what happens. ...is just another dead end. They're coming right for us! Romero's Night of the Living Dead. All right, here we go. I got Jake Ramirez in the house. What's up, buddy? Not much. We're Glad to be back. We're diving into your genre on today's episode, horror. This is more kind of your realm. I'm going to use this episode more to bounce off of you and learn more. As I mentioned in the intro, this was a first-time watch for me. I've seen zombie movies before. You know, most notably, I think I liked, and this is just for me, and probably a surprise to you, in which I think is his only good movie, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead from 2004. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that in the theaters, and I thought that was pretty, pretty cool adaptation. Um, he did some some cool things there. So I enjoyed that movie a lot. Um, Night of the Living Dead, I don't have any memories of it. Again, it was a first-time watch for me. Uh, this came out October 19th, 1990. Uh, Jake, you're what, 31 right now? 32. 32. So, so I was you, you were around in the 90s, right, as a kid? Yeah. Late 90s. 
Um, what are your earliest memories of this movie, or, or when exactly did you see this movie for the first time? Could have been like if you were older too. So no, for sure, I was a kid uh, since it came out, and I was only two. I saw it late nineties. I want to say maybe like ninety six, ninety seven. You were still like in elementary school. Or something yeah, like I was like in elementary school. And it was freaked like you the hell out. Eight or nine, maybe, or even below that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I saw it on a late night TBS or Showtime, uh-huh. and yeah, the effects back then, guys. Tom Savini's effects on the zombies. Sure, we watched it. We rewatched it last night. They still hold up. I honestly, they still hold up today. But when I saw that back then, it really did scare the shit out of me. As far as like the way the zombies look and the gore and the makeup effects, like, talk to me about your how you got into the horror genre. Like, which movie specifically influenced you to be like, oh man, this is like my favorite yeah. genre. Like, what movies could you consider like at the top echelon? That's, that's, in your eyes, as far hard. as like why you like these movies, yeah, it's hard to say. But I know when we did our Halloween special, was it last year? I think yeah. it was, and I, I named my like my top five horror movies. But uh, as far as I've always been a fan of, uh, you know, just aliens in general, uh, mm-hmm. like UFOs and stuff like that. Zombies have always been a thing. I've always been a fan, not so much of Freddy. Uh, I, I'm not too big on Nightmare on Elm Street, but the Halloween series, I love Michael Myers. I got pissed when they pushed back the new sequel, Halloween Kills, mm-hmm. uh, to next year. Um, what Blumhouse knew he had to. But, uh, yeah, just zombies, uh, you know, aliens, uh, and Michael Myers, and Jason's okay, too, I guess. But uh, any, any of those films, those were big influencers. So did you um, did you see the original before this one, or you saw this one first, and then maybe did your research later and saw the original? Like, how, how did that go about? Yeah, correct. Uh, I saw this, the 1990 version, like I said, when I was a very young child, uh, late uh-huh. night just sneaking around to watching it and uh i later of course i, I saw george a. romero's 1968 night of living dead later on in life as a teenager right and uh, in terms of like how they did it as a remake what are your initial thoughts is it did they improve on it is was it about so so the same did, or did is, a bad job or what do you think yeah this is a movie where tom savini uh a dear friend of george a. romero he's been in a lot of his films uh he was one of the biker guys in the original 1978 Dawn of the Dead. Uh, and he's been a, make, a special makeup uh, effects artist uh, for years in the business. Yeah. But uh, he got to direct this movie. George A. Romero, being close friends with him, asked him to direct it. And Tom Zavini kind of, from what I've read, he got 40% of what he wanted. He didn't get to get the full 100 because the studio interfered with... Uh, and this is back when NC-17 was like real strong, and they wanted to give this film an NC-17 rating. So he was held back with his vision. Um, why do you think George Romero decided to remake this? Because this was what? 1968 was the original. And here we come, 1990. And we were talking a little bit about this off the air. You were telling me how horror had kind of died off in like the late 80s until it got that revival with Scream and the slasher films in the mid-90s. Um, you think do you think this movie just came at a bad time? Because, I mean, we'll get into the box office right now because it kind of just feels like a movie that was just like there I, during I, its time. I don't I don't know exactly like what, uh, just, you know, thinking about it and what I was talking about it right now. I don't, I don't know why they waited so long, I guess you could say, or why they picked 1990. I guess that would have been what, how many years afterwards that would have been like like almost 30 years i yeah. guess give or take so you think if this came out like in the early 80s it would have done a little bit better would have been more maybe well received oh, yeah for sure uh, and we'll get into the criticisms right now of it but yeah like when i was picking out my movies for this spinoff series and i saw this pop up i was like huh there was a zombie movie like right in the early 90s like i i know we've seen a, a chunk of them since then that's kind of like 
it was the new norm until like horror made a bounce back with other you know films like and this it, was a full and, theatrical release like, right right which is crazy yeah well those i think are always going to be theatrical releases horror movies i think are fine in that genre um but yeah when i saw this movie i was like oh, okay this would be an interesting one to tackle and i know uh i thought of you right away because i know zombies are your thing and we we always go go at each other on facebook you know walking dead and all that stuff but i figured this would be an interesting one to tackle um so where would you rank well you don't have to be specific mm-hmm. but just in terms of like where this movie would lie in the zombie movies that you've seen, is it top tier? Is it in the middle? Is it lower end? Like it's just going off of everything you've seen up till now in your I'm life. I'm gonna go like it's mid tier. Like I was telling you earlier, off the air, it's not the worst, but it is definitely uh, you know not the best. Any George A. Romero zombie films before this pretty much are better than this remake, except maybe his last two, like Survival of the Dead and Diary of the Dead. Like those Diary was like okay, but it was held to a standard of. I don't understand why people really liked it that much. It wasn't that great. I'm just curious as to why he wanted to remake it. It would be like Quentin Tarantino getting a close buddy to want to do Pulp Fiction again. I don't know. I just, you know, if if he nailed it with the original, why, why mess with trying to remake it? Uh, I would understand if he had nothing to do with it and it was just somebody trying to do their own thing. But the fact that they just remade it and he was, looked like he was heavily involved with it. Um, he was like a producer, and then he kind of like helped write the screenplay a little bit. So, so that's weird. I, I don't know. I feel like if you hit it, the nail on the head the first time, I feel like I don't know why you would go back to the well. But um, like I said, it was in a weird spot. I guess like 30 years later, they were like, okay, it's going to come up on its 30 kind yeah. of anniversary. Why don't we just update it for modern times or whatever? But they should have just either done it in the 80s at some point and then not cared about the anniversary thing. And then it would have been more well-received and it would have been in that horror uh, gap of all those horror movies in the 80s, like, a lot. They probably could have... It probably would have done better, and they probably would have done, like, a bunch of sequels during that time because we all... There was a shitload of Friday the, Friday the 13th movies and Halloween movies and... Freddy. Freddy movies. Like, there's just a bunch of that. Aliens, all that stuff. Um, on this show, I do like to give the synopsis of what the movie is, and that's given to us by boxofficemojo.com which is a huge movie database where you can check out all the analytics of any movie uh, that's ever been in existence for the most part. Like there's some like really, really older movies that obviously there's no box office tracking, but for the most part, you know, you can find any movie on here and how it did like on the weekend, opening weekend, daily, yearly, how it does all time. There's all these different avenues you can dive into. I love using this website a lot for this series, but just in general, you know, I work at a movie theater, so I'm always checking out the stats for this stuff. It's powered by IMDb pro which is another app that I love to use uh, whenever I'm dealing with cast people. Uh, there's always, I'm telling you, there's always a movie that I'm watching, including this one, Night of the Living Dead, where I'm like, this person looks familiar. Let me look up their filmography, and boom, there it is. And you're like, ah, it's this person. So I recommend it that you use it for, you know, a lot of people like to ask questions sometimes on movies. You can find the answers for yourself, and you, you'll learn more about film, especially if you love movies and you want to learn more about actors and what other movies they've been in. It's a good app to use. So, all right, Jake. Here's the synopsis for Night of the Living Dead. It's very vague. You tell me if it's good enough or what you would add to it to make it better or try to sell the movie to audiences. But here it is: the unburied dead return to life and seek human victims. Is that a good synopsis or bad? <laughs> I mean, yeah. For the most part, it's 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 very simple. And I mean, one sentence. That's the same one on IMDb. It's exactly well, yeah, well, they're they're connected, so oh, it's, okay. it's going to have the same synopsis. Yeah, the, I guess I would put just like you know, uh, 
strangers coming together like in a house to fight off you know oh there, yeah there definitely could have been a better like you know a synopsis but, i mean that doesn't sell me or, as going to yeah. want to go see it in a theater like i don't know there, there's got to be a little bit more juice to it to, to entice me or even put there uh, yeah. a reimagining of george a romero's classic 1968 see, film. Ba- see like that that's what they use a lot nowadays like in the in you know in the in the trailers like a reimagining of this right. and that and it gets people all hyped and they're like oh this and that I don't know. They just didn't have that kind of spunk, maybe like, well, especially in 1990. But all right, well, let's get into the uh, the the criticisms of this film. Um, I like to use Siskel and Ebert. They were the staple critics of the 90s, but now nowadays everybody's a film critic, everybody's a film blogger. Um, you see all of these all these reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, like in the hundred plus range. So everybody's got a voice now. But back in the day, like these are the guys that were go to. Like, I mean, not all the time, but like. For the most part, they were in commercials and posters. You would always see the two thumbs up or two thumbs down or, you know, whatever they thought about it. Like, it, it weighed. Like, it meant more. Nowadays, it's like, eh, whatever. This person said this. No big deal. But uh, Siskel and Ebert were prominent uh, critics in the late 80s and for sure during the 90s. Um, going off of uh, their little review of, of Night of the Living Dead, I want to say they both gave it a thumbs down. But it wasn't like – it's not like they were too harsh on it, especially Ebert. Um, he was talking about how it was kind of like, you know, shot for shot verbatim, the same like the original. Um, so he kind of felt like, well, what was, what new thing was added to it or what was, what new flavor was given to this new generation for this movie? I don't know. Do you want to add anything to that, Jake? Yeah. See, that's where I go based off of, uh, like nowadays you have fans like me, they, when they do a remake, to me, they they're start they starting to change it up too much. It's starting to get into the direction where it was changed too much. Now, back in 1990, when we're we're saying that we would have wanted it to be changed and stuff like that, for Savini to have done it kind of like shot by shot back then, I think people maybe they wanted it to be different. But would they have taken it as I would have taken it as like well, at least I'm speaking like my age in 1990. I would have been like. Man, it was exactly like the the original. Like, what was the point of this? But I think fans, uh, or I know, like fans of the original, I I'm, I want to say that they actually supported it and loved it because it it has a cult following. Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, like I said, I rank it like mid tier because mm-hmm. I think it's a it's one of the better remakes for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, but nowadays I think um, remakes are a little did they just go off the rails? I guess you could say. Um, they did uh, mention, I think it was Siskel that's like says that it's shot well, which I agree with. A lot of the shots in the movie are pretty well, especially the beginning, the opening scenes and the camera usage. Like I, I like the 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 music and all that stuff that they were using. Um, a lot of good stuff here. You know, I mean, it's not the best movie. I mean, I kind of thought it was just there, but there, there's some stuff here to, to to like about it. And the directing is one of them. So, what's the director's name again? Tom Tom Savini. Tom Savini. So I give him his props here. Uh, as far as like respect to the, uh, I guess the the original, or just try to show as much respect as possible, and not you know <laughs> try to hurt his friend's legacy with this movie, which I don't think this movie doesn't hurt the legacy because the original just outshines everything. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But the fact that it's it's respectable enough, um, so I'll give him that. As far as uh, Ron Tomatoes. Which, again, I don't like to use this as a basis of whether I like a movie or not or whether it's successful or not. I just like to see it in terms of what critics are thinking and then what the audience themselves are thinking. So out of 32 reviews, which, again, this is a 90s, so there wasn't, like, critics all over the place. 
it's got a 66%, so that's a that's a positive. It's it's got a fresh tomato logo on it. So that's good on it. So the critics somewhat liked it. And then you look at the audience out of user ratings uh out of, of about 64,000. It's at 68%. So it's kind of like on the same level where like there's some people that probably like the diehards that do like it, the cult the cult uh fans which you just mentioned. So it's about an even keel. And here's the the critic consensus, which I, I do like like to read these on on Rotten Tomatoes. It says Night of the Living Dead doesn't quite reinvent the original's narrative, but its sleek action and amplified gore turned it into a worthy horror showcase. Now I agree with that. Um, the gore here is pretty good for for 1990. Uh, who is what's the name of the lead character? Uh, Barbara or something like that. Barbara. So I guess they're going to visit like her mom's grave or somebody in the family. And she's getting teased by her brother, I believe is who it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, right away, the zombies show up. I mean, this movie wastes no time. It's only 88 minutes, so yeah, like, like, it kicks off right away. Really too short, too. Yeah. And uh, there's a moment in, in that beginning sequence where Barbara's getting, like, hugged by one of the zombies. And, you know, it looks like she's going to meet her demise. And the brother grabs the guy. But the zombie, in, the zombie ends up overtaking him. And they both fall. And his head, like, smacks <laughs> the concrete, like, that snaps his neck. Yeah. And the way they did it, I was like, holy shit, that was freaking <laughs> gruesome. That was brutal. That's all. That's one of my fears of, like, I don't want to go out that way. Like, <laughs> what a horrible way to go out, right? Like, you, the you zombie fall falling and, and you break, snap your neck and all that. Yeah. So uh, I give them real props on, on the violence and stuff like that. They did a really good job with it. Obviously, Tony Todd comes in later into play. Um, but, man, yeah, yeah, I'll give them. I like this consensus here. What do you think of that Ron Tomatoes little blurb there oh yeah like i said the way the zombie effects uh the gore uh their their eyes the way they're kind of like white and kind of uh just a weird looking eye like they just have really weird eyes and then uh, you know and then their mouth movements and stuff like that it just yeah. as a kid man like oh it scared me <laughs> yeah well like spoilers and for those of you who haven't seen the movie too bad it's been 30 years you've had your chance uh when tony todd shows up at the end all zombied up or whatever I, all I know is if I was a kid and if I, you know, woke up in the middle of the night and that was the image on my TV, I would have freaked the hell out. And I, that's kind I've, of what happened to me. I've had no yeah. shame in saying that I, as a kid I was scared of like horror movies, so I stayed away from them. So, um, yeah, the, but good job on the makeup and the gore and all that stuff and updating it for the nineties. Even though if you watch it now in twenty twenty, yeah, it's it looks outdated, but you know, but the effects still. I, I you got to think about it during its up. time. Yeah. So, um, let's let's get into um, our things about this movie. So, what I asked all my guests, Jake, is to name three things that they either liked about the movie. It could be three things you liked, three things you hated. It could be split, like two things that I like. Here's one thing that I didn't like. You know, it could go either way. So, I'll let you start. What's one thing about this movie that you liked? Um, the main thing that I liked is that, uh, as far as that, pretty much all of it takes place that night. Uh, yeah, in the course of a night. So, you know, these strangers having a band together to survive the night. Uh, and being that it was filmed that night, that, that was really cool, too, and stuff. Uh, I would say that. And then uh, Tony Todd's performance was the, the most, like, the... Is that still your one, or are you, you keeping that as a separate thing? Uh, yeah, we can keep that, like, together as one. Okay, so the Tony Todd and the setting is your is one of the things that you like? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start off with a dislike. And that's with the lead actress in this movie, who right off the bat, like, the credits aren't even done running at the beginning of this movie. And she's already, like, 
yelling and being like, oh, my God, leave me alone. And, you know, she's getting teased by her brother. And it's like, oh, this character. I hope she meets her demise early. But it turns out she's the actual lead. So I'm like, oh, we have to deal with her, you know, being scared and yelling all over the place. And I get it. You know, zombies are coming at you head on, even though they're slow as shit, which they mentioned in the movie, <laughs> which there'd be no movie because they could easily just run away and that'll be the end of it. Eber but saying that, yeah, yeah Eber does mention that, which I, when I first read it before seeing the movie, I was like, oh, that is that's weird. But then you see it in the movie and it's like, well, yeah, they could easily run but away. See, that's my argument goes to where we're in a post-apocalyptic setting and they don't even know that like it's. You know, it could be, you know, you don't know where you're going to run into one. It's just in that area that this is happening. They don't know that it's, like, happening throughout the United States and stuff like that. But, yeah, I had a disdain for her. And then I totally didn't buy her as being, like, a badass towards the end. Even though, like, the film does a pretty good job of turning her into, like, uh, this killer who's not afraid to, you know, defend herself against the zombies and whatnot. But, yeah, she just turned me off in the really in the first half of the movie where I was just like, uh, like killer off already. Let Tony Todd be the the main uh, protagonist, and I'm not being misogynistic. I'm just saying, like, if they could have written her character a little better. Yeah, and I was gonna say, like, Patricia Tallman, like, she's a decent actress and stuff like that. But it, it, it had to do with the screenplay and just the writing. That's where it kind of got sloppy. That yeah, a lot of stuff it, that's sloppy. I felt like this movie was more about the that's the physicality, the production value, as opposed to like the dialogue and the actual story. Because yeah. there's like. Tony Todd, there's a point in the movie where he meets the Cooper character, and right away he's like, Cooper, I told you that. Like, nobody talks like that. Them, them <laughs> but, but nobody talks like that. Like, right after you meet somebody, like, just use your name. Jake, I'm, we had this discussion already. Like, dude, you just met two <laughs> seconds ago. How are you talking to him like you know him? So, but yeah, I don't know. Just saying it's Cooper. Just little nitpicks like that. But, yeah, that's my first thing is the, the lead actress just gave me a really uneasy feeling about the movie. I'm boss up here. You're boss down there. Yeah. <laughs> What's your second thing about this movie? That I liked. It could be a like, a dislike. It could be uh, whatever. Well, the dislike was the the screenplay, like in the writing. Okay. Uh, we, for instance, when Cooper keeps yelling out throughout the whole movie, "You bunch of yo-yos!" Like, <laughs> oh my god, that's like the most corniest thing and stuff like that. Like, really, this is a '90s film. We're getting into like hardcore rated R stuff. Yeah. Language is starting to get a little amped in movies. Like, yeah. really, yo-yos. It just feels like uh, dialogue from like a. The 60s, something that would, and I, and if that's what they were going for, cool. Maybe. But if you're trying to update it to the 90s, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, also a lot of overacting, like, uh, from, what's that guy that was other, in there with Cooper with his girlfriend or whatever? She could drive the truck. She could drive it. I could tell him, tell him I can drive. Like, it was so freaking over the top. And I was just like, dude, like, uh, yeah, his name is William Butler. He played Tom. Tom. And what was the name of the, his girlfriend? Judy Rose. Judy, okay. <laughs> But yeah, no, just uh, just little quips like that, and I'm just bouncing off your point. Uh, my actual second point is obviously Tony Todd is the lifesaver of this movie. For he's sure. the, the heartbeat and As the man. he's the charisma, the personality. Uh, even though it's over the top, but that's because he's bouncing off these like really bland characters, except for the Cooper guy. The Cooper guy brings some yeah. uh, some performance to it. But Tom Tolls, but he's bouncing off these bland characters, so he has to do most of the personality um the first shot of him is him driving in on his truck running down one of the zombies and right away you see him with a hook which is a nod which is weird because this movie was made before but it's a nod to Candyman, which he ends up going to play in 1992 maybe i'll tackle that movie or not not sure but um it's weird how that's like kind of like foreshadowed even though that movie wasn't made yet 
Um, uh, what, what did you feel about that? Though? They've, they've talked about that. And I was looking at the trivia, like how, you know, it says like he would go on to be Candyman later. Yeah. It's like, they didn't know that. And like, right. it was just something that, uh, you know, he had as a weapon, I guess when he, just, I wonder if that, um, how do you call it? If that played into his casting or do you think it's just a coincidence? I think it's just a coincidence. It's a, it's a great coincidence to, <laughs> to, to see that. Cause that's the first thing you think of. Oh shit. Candyman. Um, so I liked his performance a lot. Um, Obviously, didn't like his demise towards the end. Um, Real quick, since we're talking about Ben, uh, two other actors were, uh, what do you call it, auditioned for the role. Uh, for, oh, yeah, who, who were they? Ben, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, surprisingly. Oh, uh, and oh I would have liked that a lot. Eric, but it's not his. I could see it. I could see it. I could then. see it, but also, like, uh, he's just too much of a good actor to, to be in something like that. And then Eric LaSalle. He's the guy from ER. I don't know if you remember. And that. he's what from Coming to America, right? Coming that, to America. Yeah. I could see that too. So that was cool. He he would have been a good choice as well. Uh, I love Lawrence Fishburne a lot, but I just don't see uh, him he, in that kind of movie. He was yeah. He's, he's a top level actor. So is, uh, and not and Tony and I love Tony Todd too because he goes to a lot of fan horror fan conventions too and stuff like that. And he I, he's a really good guy. My friend actually met him too. Uh, but that fits his style. It's his kind of movie that he he thrives in roles like that. So he was perfect. He's a really good he was perfectly cla- cast. Um, the, again, the only one other one I could see was Eric LaSalle. I could totally see that. Um, big Rames. Now I'm seeing Vink Rames was also uh, considered, but I think he's just too built, too big, and stuff like that. Well, I, I, I got to remember him. In the, I don't know how he looked in 1990. I mean, obviously, Pulp Fiction, both, was, in Fiction was in '94. Um, I would have to see how he looked around that time. Not that looks have anything to do with it, but like kind of. the whole thing is you got to look a little bit more regular Joe, not your like. Well, it's only Todd's tall, and, and if you've, you haven't seen the original right now, like no, ben, no, he looks ex- almost exactly like Ben, like skinny, from the original. Tall, yeah. Oh, okay. And so they they went for that look too, and he's perfect. Um. So like I said, he's such a lifesaver for this movie that I think if he wasn't cast in it, and if it was just anybody else, not the names that you mentioned, but if it was just anybody else. I think this movie would have been a complete failure because somebody has to carry. There's got to be some For charisma, sure. and he's he brings it like his A game. So I like that a lot. So that's my second point. And you have one more thing that you liked or disliked about the movie? Um, I would say. So I, I said the writing disliked, uh, and then as far as the like, um, besides it being all shot at night and just taking place at night, the story mm-hmm. and Tony Todd's performance, uh, I would say. I gotta give it up for the gore effects and the makeup effects. Tom Savini and his other his team did a hell of a job making the zombies look scary. Uh, nowadays, you watch The Walking Dead like zombies, they just it like it's it's done really well. Greg Nicotero and all the people that work, it's just like it, I don't know. Maybe it's getting outplayed, or we're just seeing it too much. Like how you said, like maybe it's too much. Like because in the in this movie, it's like yeah, yeah, there's zombies, but they can. It's not overdone to like where they look like a complete monster. Yeah, or you can still just, see the human aspect of it. Yeah, them. now it's like they look too just dead or not just dead, but they look too skeleton. Like yeah, there we go. Skeleton, and it's just like they're zombies. They look more like a creature than a human. Yeah, it's getting to that point. Yeah, it's, it's just really just done too well nowadays. I guess. I guess I'll bounce all that off of that. That'll be my third point. Is more the practicality of it. Yeah. Um, the set designs. Um, you know, just. I love movies that are set in one area and see how you can get creative with it. Um, the way they would board up the doors, the glass and all that stuff, the way, and just the way they would fight and stuff like that. It, I feel like that's how you would, uh, fight a zombie. Like the way Tony Todd, I think I begin in the house, like just kicks the shit out of one and just, it flies <laughs> yeah. away. Like just. <laughs> 
going head on. That, and, that's another re- the reason why I love these zombie movies, though, to bounce off of you. Like, uh, post-apocalyptic setting, people, like, you having to, like you said, nail, you know, board, board up, uh, housing, you know, that's what we, humans with the brain would actually do. You'd want to you know, defend yourself in, in some kind of uh, blockade of, some, of a house or some kind yeah. of building or something. And, like, the whole point of the movie is for them to just try to get gas for the one... <laughs> Uh, car that they have and <laughs> that, that idiot what's his name Tom yeah where they're at the gas station and he's filling up and I think one of the something's on fire in the truck and he does he fires the shotgun at the at the gasoline uh, pump and it's like you idiot it's gonna blow up and boom sure enough it does and that you know he kills. shot it because he was trying to shoot the because uh, it was locked he's like oh, we yeah. had the wrong keys to yeah. unlock the pump yeah and if Later, Tony Todd finds the keys in the basement. He's, yep. he's, just, ha, ha, ha. he's just laughing it up because he knows that they're they're doomed time. for. Yep. Um, but yeah, just practical effects like that is what I miss in movies. You know, real explosions, real you know house settings and stuff like that. Not CGI shit. If you do this movie now, it's a bunch of CGI. Uh, the zombies are zombies more CGI and more monster looking, like you said. More gory. This was more realistic, even though there is gore in this movie. Yeah. Uh, the fighting's more realistic. It's just more like how you would actually react in a real zombie attack. Um, I don't know. That's just my opinion. All right. Well, those are our three things about this movie. I guess the next thing we should talk about, um, since this, this has be, been remade so many times, I don't want to get into like, oh, how would you recast it in 2020? Because it's been done so many times that it's hard to say. It's hard. Honest. It's really hard. Um, would this be in 2020? a theatrical release or a streaming release and now we're at a very interesting time in in the world with this pandemic that we're in that a lot of stuff is starting to go streaming right now but that's just because you know a lot of stuff is closed up and people can't go out to the movie theaters but let's imagine a world where it's no pandemic what do you think jake does this movie get a theatrical release or does it get lost somewhere on amazon or netflix um it would definitely get lost uh Somewhere between Amazon and Netflix. Really? Considering the horror genre has made such a comeback uh, but, these last couple of years. But, the the big... zo- but like, and I hate to say it, and I'm agreeing with you, is that the uh, the zombie phase is phasing out. Like, uh, the road beyond that just premiered. Uh, I watched, like, the first episode. It was decent. But uh, it's, there's just too much zombie mania. Too much content? Too much content. Too much zombie mania right now. Walking Dead's been on for, it's going to finish off on its 12th or 13th season. Mm-hmm. That got canceled. Or like, or AMC was pulling the plug. It's not necessarily they canceled it. They just felt like it was time for right. the show to end. And that's my fear with streaming. And I know this is a little bit off topic, but it's kind of not. You know, it's kind of where we're headed in the world. My fear with stuff going directly to streaming and all that is that stuff just gets lost. And it's I I, I want movies to still feel special, that event type thing. Like let's say Night of the Living Dead. You're probably more accustomed to hearing like, oh, I saw ads for it that it's going to be in a theater and whatnot, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, oh, that movie's on Netflix? Oh, like, I didn't even know. I had no idea it existed. Boom. And I feel like we're going to come to a point where like that's what movies and television shows are going to become, where there's like so much of it yep. and it's all just on streamers Wait. where it's it's going to be like, hey, did you see this movie? It's on Netflix. I was like, it's what? I've never even heard. It's, that. it's already getting like that. It's, and I, I, don't, I don't like I don't it. I don't like want there either. to be like, what? like, for example... Hey, you see that new Pixar movie? What Pixar movie? I was like, it's on Disney Plus. <laughs> Shit, hell, have I not? Like, I never saw any ads or promotion about for that it. Soul one? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just I don't want it to come to that. And I know we're scarily getting there and faster than we intended. 
I, I, I know the world evolves, but ah, the movie theaters have got to survive. I, I think all these uh, companies, these movie companies, are using COVID as an excuse to just not, uh, you know, release theatrical releases anymore and to make more money off the streaming services. But um, it'll be just like a lot of things that have happened in terms of trends where, like, people are going to miss it and there's going to be a nostalgia for it, so it'll make a comeback. I think for just for right now, we have all the doom and gloom and, yeah, movie theaters might go away, might not, whatever. But I, I think, let's say the streaming does happen. I think there's going to be a point where, like, man, like, could, wouldn't you want to see this on a bigger screen? And, yes, that's when theaters will make a comeback. Um, but I'm going to argue against your point. The horror genre, I think, is just thriving. I'm not saying it would be successful, but it would at least get the opportunity to be a theatrical release. Just given, you know, give this property to Blumhouse. Release well, it under that banner. It, that, that's what I was going to say. I agree with you when it comes to that, but it has to be like if it's a Blumhouse or if it's Jordan Peele. Like if it's Jordan Peele, he said Not Let Me Dead is one of his favorite movies of all But time. see, that's what I'm saying. You get somebody, a brand or a director behind it. And I could see it if he directed it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I think even then, again, horror has made such a comeback that it's kind of like, it's kind of almost a, a given that people are going to turn out for it. Um, I don't know how many of these you've heard of, but we've got a couple of s- really small independent horror movies that have come out at our theaters, and those people, those movies always draw. Like oh, people yeah. are always coming out to see them. So I'm like, those movies aren't going to go away, whether they're small or big. There's an audience for it. For sure. People love to get scared in a movie theater or make fun or be like, ah, that wasn't scary. Midsummer, Hereditary, you know, the, Mary Last or whatever his name is. The the genre has evolved so much. Uh, I watched one earlier this summer uh, with Bernadette. Um, what was it? It was about a mother, a grand grandmother and daughter. To see that one. I've been it was so good. Like it wasn't a straight yeah. up horror movie, but the way it was presented and the acting was it was scary. Yeah. Like the acting was good, story was good. It ended up being about something else, but like. The elements of it were all horror, and I was like, dude, like, this genre has room to evolve and, and be different things. So, yeah, no, I'm totally 100% this still being a theatrical release nice. in 2020, even though the box office returns would probably be not good because the zombie things kind of played out. And I guess lastly is whether or not this movie holds up 30 years later. Now, I'm not really one to judge but just going based off of me seeing it through the lens of like, how would this look in 1990? This looks good for its time. Mm-hmm. But given everything that has evolved and all the zombie stuff that has come afterwards, obviously if you poll like 100 people, they're going to say like, oh, no, hell no. Like this has not aged at all. Now, if its story were a little better, I'd say that. So as a movie overall, I'm going to say no. It was for its time. It's really one of those lost in the shuffle type of, in terms of, you know, this ain't like a, a Halloween or, you know, the first Friday the 13th movie where, like, it's really transcended time and you always go back to the original, which for this you always go back to the black and white one. So this one, I, again, was just a product of its time, but also came out at a bad time, as you mentioned. So it was at a time when horror was really dying out. So I'm going to say no on it aging 30 years later, even though I've only seen it. One, so I, I'll let you. That's why I'm gonna let you close off on this, on whether you think it ages, and you can. I mean, you can argue against me if you yeah. want, but I'll let you go off on this. No, I'm with you a little bit. I'm like fifty fifty. I guess I could say that uh, I agree with you as far as that the story doesn't hold up. Like as far as that aspect, the gore effects, uh, I I really still think they hold up. Uh, what else? As far as the 
if this was released, like, man, if this would have got, like, mid-80s. It would have had a real shot of being something. Yeah, because we would be talking about this mixed in with the Michael Myers of its time, the Fridays and all that. Of course, not being that they would make more. And who's to know? They might maybe if it would have been successful in the mid '80s, they would have said, "Let's do a remake of Dawn in the in the '80s." Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. I know some people are probably scratching their heads, like, "What do you mean? Like it was released at the wrong time?" Like, yes, folks, there's movies that sometimes are ahead of their time or come a little bit too late and they're released at the wrong time, and yep. it, it doesn't connect with audiences on a financial and also on a critical level as well. So that does happen from time to time, um, like. I don't know, for example, let's say if Rocky was released in 1986, <laughs> I'm sure people would be like, eh, this is whatever. Yeah. Rocky came out at the right time, right place, even though there was a lot of great movies against it. But it was just – it was perfect for the moment that it was in. Like, would it win Best Picture today? Absolutely. Probably not. <laughs> Again, every, movies are just products of their times uh, sometimes, uh, even though Rocky has aged tremendously. I'm using a bad example, but you know what I mean. Um, but that's what we mean when we say, like, sometimes – movies just it depends on when they come out but i have to say like if teenagers came across this they're like or if i recommend hey, uh, you know to the teenagers like go go watch the the 1990 version not only did let me know what you guys think and stuff like that they would probably be like it was corny as hell but i liked it like i like that well i'm sure true horror fans will appreciate that but if you get yeah. like somebody that just wants to see their horror movie of the week and they've only been watching horror movies for like couple years if you show them this they're gonna be like that was stupid or whatever blah 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 or it was boring even though it's only an hour and 28 minutes um yeah but you know how like kids and teenagers they like they want to discover new things or as far as sometimes sometimes they do like what's something that came out around that time you Mm -hmm. recommend i'm like 1990s not a living day go check it out like it's a remake of the original yeah um i want to ask you real quickly about the ending of this movie (laughs) we can talk about that for a little bit um I like that line that Barbara says where she's like, we're there because spoilers, she's the only one that makes it out alive out of those group of strangers that meet at that house. And she ends up coming across this like redneck white group, I guess you could say. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And uh, they're all like kind of radical. Like, yeah, they're heroes in some way, but the way they they're they're having like um, a blast and killing zombies and torturing them and whatnot. And there's a scene in the very end where there's a bunch of zombies like hanging and these guys are just firing all their guns at them. And she says, oh, we're them and they're us. I guess she's kind of saying like we're no better than the zombies or just like, you know, and that, you know, just like a a commentary, a social commentary on but you're as a society. Right. They, that, that's a big, that's a major thing you bring up. The zombies hanging like that. That was like what you said. It was a, a um, what was the word you used? Uh, like a. A social commentary? A social commentary, because guess what? They wanted to use that same shot in 1968, but guess what it looks like? Oh, with like... Hanging black. Oh, no. Yeah, that would have been, yeah. African-Americans like that. So they they, they couldn't use it. And so then they revisited it, and they ended up using zombies hanging like that in 1990, which is more appropriate. But back then, it wasn't. So they had, that's a fun fact. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, I do like her line of like, "We're, we're them and they're us. Like, it's just, we're no better than them. So that was a nice little line there. But then the movie just transitions into like these, this weird credit montage. They didn't kind of know how to end it, I felt like. Yeah. It was a really like well, real bad ending. Well, the way I took it was like, well, did she become corrupt and just become part of that gang? And, you know, they go on and just torture zombies or whatever. Is that how you took it? or No. I, I just take it. <laughs> I just took it like. They didn't know how to end it? They, they didn't know how to end it. The studio, like Tom Savini said, 
forty percent of the movie is all he got to put on screen. The other sixty was studio interference, yeah. and it has a lot to do with the gore. He did, he couldn't. If he would have kept some of the shots that he wanted, it would have been NC seventeen. I'm sure the ending would have been more bleak. It would have been not a like her being uh, her own and stuff like that. But they also interfered the studio. So. They probably would have killed her off too. Right? Exactly. Maybe they were looking to try to make sequels but since it only made actually we didn't even talk about it <laughs> actually I, I missed one of the most important aspects of this show uh apologies see that this is why i love talking movies like you, you can get lost in the conversation so i guess we do have one more thing to talk about in this show and that's the box office so the budget for this movie was 4.2 million which in 1990 is uh it's kind of there it's whatever in 2020 it really is nothing like netflix plays pays more for for movies uh like coming to america 2 or coming to america uh just got bought out by amazon for 125 crazy, million that's yeah, that's, that's, an, that's incredible um so yeah that was his budget 4.5 million or 4.2 million this movie opens on october 19 1990 to opening weekend of 2 million and it ends up going to gross 5 million and, and that's only domestic there's no worldwide number so again I mentioned this on the show before. There's some movies on here in 1990 that have uh, international grosses and some that don't. So I know all movies get released internationally these days. Maybe that wasn't the case in the 90s. I, you know, I can't really tell you as a, you know, I'm not a historian or anything like that. Um, so I, I, I'm, I venture to guess that this movie didn't get released overseas and it was more of a just a U.S. release. So goes on to gross five million off of a four million dollar budget. That's a that's a dud. As far as I'm concerned, it's a dud in 1990, and it would definitely be a dud in 2020. I don't know how it would adjust for inflation, but either way, it's a dud. Um, what are your thoughts on the box office numbers for this? It just reflects what you were saying, right? It just came out at a bad time. As as you were saying that, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how many years was it exactly? So it was 22 years, right? It wasn't the big 30th anniversary, which I think like if they, if they would have just waited another eight years, it would have come out of it would have come out of a really good. It would have came out a really good time when you said horror was coming back with the scream films. Wes Craven got reinvented with Scream again. Yeah. Oh man, that would have been 30th anniversary. Not only that, but 30th anniversary, the reimagining of George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, 1968. Like all that time, graphics would have been a little. A lot well, better. I mean the effects. I mean, uh, yeah. not that they would have gone CG or anything like no. that, but it would have looked better. Um, in terms of like the look of it. Does this feel like a '90s movie too? Like the oh, look yeah. of it, or does it? Is it still like late '80s too? No, it feels like totally beginning in the '90s. I I, I feel it. Uh, I feel I, I felt a late '80s vibe to it, but obviously, um, you know, and again, it, it, this all goes back to like the dialogue and the cheesiness of it, kind of. Well, they might have shot it in '88, like or '89. You know, it takes like a year, to right, make, right, to, to make the movie. So. But there's some movies that I've, that I've done in this series where you could tell like it's total '90s. This is like could go either way. I still kind of feel like '80s vibe off of it. It's shot out at night and then set on the farm, and just that one setting kind of. Yeah, just in the the clothes and all that stuff, and and all of that comes into factor. But yeah, not not a good uh, box office return on this movie in 1990. I think in 2020 it would do like 15, 20 million overall. You know, and again, this is just based off of zombies being played out and and all that stuff so i don't know yeah do you have any more notes on this movie that you wanted to discuss not that but it just blows my mind if they would have just waited another eight years to yeah it, it, i think it would have it would have blown up it would have been a good opportunity to do that so hey 
What can you do? Uh, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I want to thank Jake for joining me and talking about this. I know horror movies are to his liking, and I'm sure I'm going to venture down some more down as the years go by with this spinoff series. Again, if I do this correctly, I'm covering a year each year, so technically I should be done with this spinoff series by 2030. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to try my best. I'm trying to cover movies as weekly as possible. I know there's breaks in between uh, now that I'm doing this in the latter half of the year, but that's just the way the release dates worked out because that's how I'm doing these. I'm releasing them on their anniversary dates because I think 30 years is a good am- amount of time to have passed to whether to decide whether a movie has aged perfectly or if it's a product of its time. So, yeah, uh, thanks a lot, Jake, and I'm sure we'll see you down the road for whatever horror movie I do next. And um, Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, I man. Um, coming up in about, what is it? I want to say another like two, three weeks. Uh, I'm going to be introducing a new thing here for this spinoff series. It's the double feature where you're going to get two movies being covered in one pod. So the first double feature, it's a, it's a weird pairing, but again, these were the movies that were just released on the same day. So that's, a, that's just how it worked out. So on November 9th, I'm going to be doing Child's Play 2. That one will be with Bernadette Thompson. She's going to be coming back. We're going to talk about that. And the double feature for that pod will be Dances with Wolves from director <laughs> Kevin Costner, which would end up going to win the Oscar for Best Picture. Uh, that'll be an interesting watch for me, and it'll be an interesting part two to Child's Play, which is a horror <laughs> movie. Uh, so that'll be a fun thing, and be on the lookout for that. That'll be coming November 9th. And uh, won't spoil the rest of the series, but we're almost done with season one, guys. We're almost done. So uh, thank you so much to the listeners who have uh, been on this journey with me. Again, we're only at the start of it. And the 90s just get better, in my opinion, as as the years go by. So a lot of fun movies to reminisce on as they all approach their 30-year anniversary. But once again, thanks to Jake. And uh, you can find this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button. Um, I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the app. You can listen on your phone. If you're an Apple person, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave me that five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. In year two of this podcast, I really want to try to get this show to trend. And you can help help me by, by rating the show. And it's not whether you think the show is good or not. It's just that the more five-star ratings that there are, the, the more likelihood it will show up on a on a chart somewhere that it's trending. So I really want to make that my goal for year two of this podcast. So again, thank you guys so much. Um, also available on iHeartRadio, and I'm working on other platforms to still get this podcast on. So that way you have all these different avenues to listen to it. Uh, yeah, that's going to do it. We'll see you November 9th for the double feature of Child's Play 2 with Bernadette Thompson and Dances with Wolves starring Kevin Costner. So until then, we'll see you next time. There is a fate worse than death. George Romero's all-new Night of the Living Dead. Rated R. Starts Friday at select theaters.